The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Prophecy in Isaiah 9, history in Luke 2. I've often wondered why they missed him when he was with them. I've often wondered why people continue to miss him. God has been whispering to us about his son for eons, generation after generation, whispering to us, he's coming, he's coming soon. God in the Old Testament oftentimes dealt with people in terms of types. Things were given to people in shadows, if you will, in whispers before they were clearly seen. It's been said that the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. I was thinking about how to translate this in ways that we could understand it better, and in my world oftentimes is a world of football. Uh, and so it, as, 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 I'm, as I'm calling our defense for our football team, there are certain signs and, and types and communications that I have with my people that my people, if they're paying attention, understand, but maybe others don't. For instance, if I'm calling the defense for my, uh, for my guys and I do this to them, this tells them, any of you know? Pinch. Pinch. Well, what that means is my nose tackle, my D tackle, pinch both A's. We, we have a, when, if I do this to my defense, you know what this is? Ton. ton. And ton means what? Tackle over nose. Tackle, nose goes first, tackle goes over them. They're stunts, they're communications, they're whispers of what I want and what I'm doing and working out on the field of football. And those who know and are paying attention see it and those who don't miss it. God's been whispering to us about the Messiah long before Jesus was born into history and that first Christmas night. Sometimes, though, it seems as if it's a, a game of where's Waldo? Any of you old people remember where's Waldo? It's a game of knowing that that's who I'm looking for, but in the mass of what I see, he's hard to find. I know he's there somewhere. I can feel Feel it, and I'm looking and looking, and my art, my eye darts to and fro and to, and every once in a while, I think I get a glimpse of him, and I think and I peer into it, but he's, it's not him. I know he's there. It's hard to find sometimes. And God's been whispering to His people for eons and generations. It's coming soon. Don't miss him in this Christmas season. I want us to watch for the whispers of God. 1,400 years before the baby was born in the manger, God whispered to his people about the Messiah, namely through the institution of festivals. 
God enjoys a good celebration, no doubt. But the festivals that God instituted 1,400 years before that first Christmas night, God, the, the, the festivals that God instituted for his people in the Old Testament were coming attractions. They were the previews before God would pull back the curtain for the main event. The Jews saw the festivals. They celebrated the seasons, but they missed the Messiah. I don't want us to see the baby, but miss God. And I don't want us to miss him this season. And so if it's okay with you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to geek out a little bit over the next four weeks. And, and I, what I want to do is I want to peel back the curtain on the seven Old Testament festivals. And peel it back and let us see, peer into, and hear the whispers of God about the Messiah. For the Jews, they, they live their life by two calendars. One of them religious and one of them civil. And, and, and if we think about it, we understand the same thing. We have a, a one calendar that we live by, January through December, and another calendar that some people live by, a fiscal calendar that runs middle of the year through the middle of the year. Uh, and so we understand the idea of these two calendar system. For them, it was a religious calendar, it was a civil calendar. And, and, and to set this up, I need to help us understand this, that the religious calendar began with four spring festivals. The Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost. And then there was a four-month break, and then there were three fall festivals. The Festival of Trumpets, the, day of, the Festival of the Day of Atonement, and the Festival of Tabernacles. And these festivals were God's whispers of the coming Messiah. These seven festivals, four in the spring, uh, spring and three in the fall. Now when I say festival, don't think Coachella. <laughs> Very different. Many of these festivals included days off. We like that. All of them included prescribed things to do and to offer and things not to do. They were all shadows and whispers of the work and the role of Messiah who was coming soon. And it was as if God was whispering down through the ages and generations, he's coming, get ready, don't miss him. And the people practiced these festivals for 1,400 years. You'd think they'd be ready. For three of these seven festivals, all able-bodied Jewish men, women and children were allowed to go to, but it was required of all able-bodied Jewish men to attend these festivals in Jerusalem. Three of the spring festivals happened within one week of each other. One of the festivals happened 50 days later. It was called the Festival of Pentecost because Pentecost literally means 50 days. And this is the reason why so many people were in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified, still there for the resurrection, and still there at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given and the church was created. They're given the opportunity for 3,000 people to accept Jesus as Lord because God had orchestrated it that way that these people would be there to see the one who was born in a manger, be crucified, resurrected, ascended, 
and the Holy Spirit descend. So, through these next four services, seven festivals, to this week, to the following week, to the next week, culminating on Christmas Eve, to highlight Christ. I don't want us to see the celebration of the season and miss the Messiah. I don't want us to see the baby, but miss the Christ. And so we're going to take a real deep dive in the Old Testament. Is that all right? This, this is why some of you come to Flipside, because it's deep and it's different. And I was really nervous. I've been nervous about doing this series for a long time. I think God gave it to me, and I, I, I questioned and I wrestled with him quite a bit about it, even up to last night. And I debated doing something real easy, like, Christmas means peace, and so let's be nice. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. And so if it's okay with you, geek out with me a little bit. These festivals recorded in Leviticus chapter 23, and I'm going to put together 38 verses for you, a snapshot. And so look at what the Bible says. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are my appointed festivals. The appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies, in other words, convocations. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it's a Sabbath to the Lord. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of that month, the Lord's Festival of Unleavened Bread begins. For seven days, you must eat bread made without yeast. When you enter the land that I am going to give you, and you reap the harvest, bring the priest a sheaf of the first grain, first fruits, that you harvest. From, that, from the day after Sabbath... The day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days, Pentecost, up to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, you're to have a day of Sabbath rest. A sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts, the Feast of Trumpets. Do no regular work but present a food offering to the Lord. The tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourself, in other words, fast, and present a food offering to the Lord. Do not do any work on that day, because it is the day of atonement. When the atonement has been, uh, is made for you before the Lord your God. On the fiftieth day, or on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, the Lord's Festival of Tabernacles begins, it is, uh, and it lasts for seven days. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to the Lord. The burnt offering, the grain offerings, sacrifices, drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to, they're over and above, to those for the Lord's Sabbaths, 
uh, and in addition to your gifts, whatever you have vowed, and all the free will offerings you give to the Lord. Now, those are the seven offerings. Have you got them? Did you get lost in the middle of it? Now, I expect you to. That's okay. Because this is not part, this isn't part of who we are. We didn't grow up with this. We didn't practice it with our parents, with our grandparents, with our great-grandparents. Like, this, is, this is all this is brand new information. Right? So I expect us to get lost. In it. But here's the thing. There are whispers of the Messiah. I, I want to define for you what a sacred assembly is. In other words, a convocation. Because it says all of these are to, are, are, are to be gathered around a sacred assembly or a convocation. What that is, is a gathering of people with each other and with God. When we get together with each other and with God, that's a sacred assembly or a convocation. And so a Sabbath is a weekly convocation. It's a mini-feast. In addition to the seven festivals that we'll look at, the whole thing begins with a weekly Sabbath command. And the model for the Sabbath command, the gathering with each other and with God in a mini feast, the, the model for that is way back in Genesis 2, verse 2. And the Bible says, by the seventh uh, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. The Sabbath was for rest and reliance. On what? On what God had already completed. That was the model for the Sabbath. The command of the Sabbath came to us in Exodus verse twenty, verses, or chapter 20, verses 8 through 10. The Bible says, as a command, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath, rest and reliance, to the Lord your God. No work. Sit back and enjoy what God has already done and enjoy his provision. It is a command. And the Sabbath is a big deal to God. And it's supposed to be a big blessing to God's people. Now, this is all set in helping you understand the whisper. God's been whispering to us for eons about the Messiah. That's the Sabbath command. Now watch this. In Numbers 15, verses 32 through 36. I didn't put it on the screen or anything. You just got to look it up on your, by your own. Uh, Numbers 15, verses 32, 36. After the Sabbath command had been given, there was a young man that decided to go out on a Sabbath and gather sticks, which was work. Collect wood. He knew the command of God. He knew the command was no work on the Sabbath. He's out gathering sticks in direct violation, in direct rebellion of the clear command of God, right after God gave it. And so Moses see, and the people see this happening, and they say, God, what should we do about this violation of your clear command of no work on the Sabbath? And God responds, stone him to death. And they do. The first guy to break the Sabbath command dies for it. 
Does that seem harsh? All the wives say no. For us, we look at that with great concern and great confusion because it seems incredibly extreme. For you Bible students, let me just give you a little Bible interp 101. This entire thing, the entire thing is about Jesus. From the beginning of it all the way through the, to the gospel points towards Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all about Jesus. Acts all the way are pointing back to, it's all about Jesus. And so because the truth is all of this is about Jesus, Bible Interpretation 101 says when you come to a difficult passage, you put Jesus right in the middle of it because it's all about him, he'll sort it out. This is a difficult passage. Poor kid. The Sabbath modeled for us, whispered to us in Genesis 2-2, where God did all the work necessary for life. God took the initiative and did all the work necessary for life. Then he rested from the work he had done. The model for us was let God do the work and then you rest in the work God has done. Hebrews says this, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Now watch this. In Romans 4, however, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Here's the thing we have to understand about the Sabbath command. It was not about having a day off so you could could relax and do nothing. The Sabbath is a whisper of salvation by faith, not by works. That's what the Sabbath is. That we sit back and rest in the work that has already been done by God on his initiative at his hand for life. And then we just sit back and enjoy what God has done, being able to add nothing to God's finished work. The command was if you work on the Sabbath for your aid in aiding what God has done, you die. Why? Because work, salvation work, had been done by God. And now we sit back and rest in it, knowing we can add nothing to it. We sit back and enjoy it, not work for it. See, that Sabbath and the Sabbath command was a type and was a whisper for salvation. God had done all the work necessary. And then he asked us to sit back and rest in it and enjoy what he'd done. We're just to rest in the work completed and enjoy God's provision. We're not to trust in our work to add anything to the work of God through Jesus on the cross. To do anything is a violation of the command to rest in the finished work of God. Do you understand? So about that young man killed in Numbers 15. It was a big deal. Not because he picked up sticks. 
It was a big deal because it was a clear violation that he broke the picture of salvation by faith alone, thinking he could add something to the work God had finished. The New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is revealed in the New. The point is this. Believe and rest in the finished work of God. The whole Sabbath idea was a whisper. All these things. What in the world is that squeal? It's the whisper. It's the whisper. That's like a devil whisper because that's like messing me up. It's like a balloon. Can you guys hear that? I hope people online can't hear that. It is annoying. All these things. I was praying uh, between services. I'm like, God, just like, don't let anything interfere with this. I got people chomping popcorn down here, which is fine, whatever. I got like this thing here. I'm like, what is like, I got to I can't stay focused. Listen. Don't see the baby and miss the Christ. These are whispers of God saying, look, I want to reveal to you what I'm doing and what I'm about. These festivals that we're going to look at are very, very, very Jewish. And we're under no obligation to obey nor adhere to them. We're not. Galatians 4, Colossians 2 makes that very clear. But we have to learn the principle behind the festivals. God's whispering to us about the Christ. And we have to learn to hear them and learn to see them. And so I'm going to unpack these seven festivals to today. And so if you'll allow me the freedom and the opportunity to geek out a little bit, come along with me. Leviticus 23, the first festival that's listed is the spring festival where the religious calendar began. The festival, the first one is the festival of the Passover. Verse 5 of Leviticus 23, the Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. Passover was the yearly commemoration of what God did at the 10th plague of Egypt when his people were in captivity in Egypt. And for generations they were slaves and they were abused. And they cried out to God over and over. And God finally heard their prayer and said, I want to set you free so you can be free for one. Because my will is not that any of you live under bondage. And two, you can worship me. And so through a series of ten plagues, God continued to work in the land of Egypt in increasing fashion to convince the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, to set God's people free. And the tenth plague was the plague of the death of the firstborn, the firstborn as a representative of the family. And God said, because your heart is so hard, Pharaoh, you're forcing my hand, I will send a death angel to come over the land of Egypt to, to put to death the firstborn of every living thing, unless, unless you take the, a, a, a lamb, kill it, and put its blood over the doorplace, the entryway to your family. 
When I see the blood, God says, of the lamb, I will pass over that house and the people of it. And God saved his people and set them free through the shed blood of a lamb. And the blood put over the entryway of their home. It was the high water mark for the Hebrews. It was a high water mark for the Jews. It was the thing that they would continue to look back to and say, God is for us and we are his. And he saved us by the blood of a lamb. And it lasted all through the New Testament. For generation after generation, and I was just reading this morning to remind myself, Exodus 12, verse 13, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Nor destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Because of the blood of the lamb that was shed and placed over the entryway to the house, the Passover, where God's judgment passed over the life that was covered because of the blood of the lamb. And this was God's whisper for generation after generation and generation after generation. They celebrated the Passover festival and they remembered that by the blood of the lamb that they, over the entry of the house, they were freed. And they remembered that their freedom from slavery came because of the blood of the lamb. And they remembered that the liberation of their lives came because of the blood of the lamb was over them. See, these festivals and the festival of the Passover was a whisper of the Messiah that he would redeem by them back by his shed blood. They're all whispers of the Messiah. This Passover and the Passover lamb, whispers of the Messiah. They should have seen it. The Passover animal had to be male, without spot, and without blemish. A perfect sacrifice. The Passover lamb, it was told that you could not break the, the lamb's bones. In John 19, 36, we're told that none of Jesus' bones were broken, though that was the custom in crucifixion. The Passover lamb had to die, not just suffer. Jesus had to die on the cross, not just pass out. The Passover lamb had to be eaten, in other words, consumed, not just killed. And each person in the house had to partake and ingest the Passover lamb. And Jesus has to be taken into the life of every person. The Passover lamb had to be roasted whole in fire because fire was the whisper of God of his judgment of sin. And Jesus had to absorb the full judgment of God. There are so many similarities and types and shadows where God was continued to whisper of what the Messiah would be and what the Messiah would do for 1,400 years. And he still whispers to us. Did you know that, that this Passover was so important? Jesus died during the festival of Passover that was celebrated in Jerusalem where all these able-bodied men had to travel and subsequently their wives and children. It was during one of the festivals where they all had to gather that Jesus was crucified. Why? Because God wanted to say, I've been whispering to you for generations and I want you to see it now in living color, the sacrifice of the Lamb. 
It's so interesting to me. I told you I was going to geek out a little bit. hope you don't mind. It's so interesting to me that God did not time Jesus' dying to match the Passover. God, outside of the space-time continuum, instituted the festivals to correlate to when he knew the Messiah would be crucified. With that kind of detail, with that kind of precision, don't you think he's got your life precisely orchestrated? been whispering for a long time. It, it's all about Jesus. It is not about the shadow. It's ultimately all about Christ. It's not about the baby. I don't want us to miss him. Christmas is about redemption. Meaning that God's judgment passes over the life that's covered by the blood of Jesus. And this has been God's whisper for eons. It was fleshed out in literal flesh and blood by Christ on the cross. And now we can look and see the whisper is now a shout. Christmas is about redemption. That we are right with God, not by what we do. We are right with God by what Jesus has done. It's the difference between do and done, which is the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion says do, do, do. You have to do this, you may not do that. You have to do this, you may not do that. You have to do this, you may not. That's religion. And the difference is that it is already done. It had been whispered to us before Jesus has done it, and now that he's done it, we rest in what he's done. You understand? And we're right with God because the work of six days has been completed. And we add nothing to it. We just rest. So today, come into or renew your right relationship with God and rest in what he's done. Now, the day after Pentecost... The day after Pentecost was the, 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 the second festival of the spring. And it was the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For the Bible says in Leviticus 26, the very next verse, in, or Leviticus 23, the very next verse in verse 6, it says, On the 15th day of that month, the Lord's Festival of Unleavened Bread begins. For seven days, you must not eat bread made with, uh, you must eat bread made without yeast. Uh, that means a cracker. Like, it's no good bread. It doesn't rise. Again, no work. Give a special offering. And eat bread without leaven. That means without yeast. Here's why. Because it was a shadow. It was a... God was whispering to us. Because in the Bible, leaven, yeast, represents sin every time. And so to eat bread without leaven is a shadow and a type of a life-avoiding sin. See, when you, when, you put, when you put yeast in a batch of dough, you put a little bit, and it, it, it spreads through the whole thing. And such is sin in the life. A little bit of sin eventually spreads through the life. And, and this was a shadow where God was saying, look, because the work has already been done, because you can add nothing to it for the culmination of that work, the work is finished now because of that, and because that is a reflection of my love for you, now get rid of that in your life which corrupts you. Unleavened bread. 
the shadow of sin. See, Christmas is about sanctification. Sanctification means becoming holy. And so we sit back, having heard the whisper, looking back and seeing the whisper that has become a shout, we realize that the Sabbath of God is Jesus with his blood shed over our lives. We add nothing to that work to save us and make us right with God. But because of what he has already done, and we are now right with him because of the blood that he shed on the cross for us, now we go through the process of cleaning out our lives of the leaven, which a little bit infects our whole being. Do you understand? Whispers of what the Messiah has done and what our response is. As the blood of the Passover lamb freed the people from the curse of being slaves in Egypt, so the blood of Jesus frees us from sin that once enslaved us. So today is the time to evaluate if you understand the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of your sin, and have taken full advantage of that. Now's the time to go through the next festival of unleavened bread and consider, is there leaven in my life that continues to corrupt that which Jesus has already set me free from? Do you understand? Whispers. And so we take time to pray and say, Father, forgive me. Thank you that you've done all the work. That I could add nothing to it. And you don't expect me to add anything to it. I rest in the work you've done on the cross. Forgive me and cleanse me of the stuff that still resides. You understand? Unleavened bread. So important was this to God and to the Jews that the command was that they were not even to allow leaven in their home. They had to completely rid their possession and their home of all leaven. This is crazy. Now watch this, and this is when I start geeking out a little bit and get real excited, that it was during the preparation for the festival of unleavened bread when all the Jews in the air were cleaning out their houses of leaven that represents sin. During that process is when Jesus entered the temple and called it my father's house and cleaned out the leaven and the sin that was inside the temple. This is incredible to me. He goes into the temple. He says, my father's house. And he kicks out the money changers. And he kicks out the corruption. Why? Because it was during that time that the Jews were doing the exact same thing in their own houses because it was a whisper and it was a shadow that says the work has been done. Now clean out that which needs to leave. Matter of fact, the New Testament goes so far to say this. Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be an unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. You're now. The Bible says we are. The loaf. It's incredible. So, God still, what Jesus still whispers to us. Did you know that in communion, Jesus instituted a new whisper? It was during the meal that Jesus, the Passover meal, that Jesus shared with his disciples 
that he instituted what we call communion. The wine during the meal that represents the whisper of his blood and the bread of that meal that whispers his body. During this Passover meal, I don't know if you realize this, there were four specific cups of, of wine that they would take during this meal. Did you know that? There were four cups. Let me, let me tell you what those were. The, four, the first cup was the cup of sanctification. It was a whisper that I have made you because of what I've done on the cross, holy. The second cup was a cup of deliverance. It was a whisper that said God has delivered us from the sin that so easily entangles us. The third cup was a whisper of redemption that I have bought you back by my blood, the Passover lamb over the doorframe of your heart. And the fourth cup was a cup of consummation. It was a whisper that God had completed all things. Now, when Jesus shared the communion meal with his disciples, the Bible says, and taking the cup, Jesus said, this cup is a new covenant of my blood that I've shed for the forgiveness of your sins. It was during one of those four cups. Any guess as to which one it was? Jesus said, I will not drink of this cup again until I come in my glory. Jesus instituted the communion after the, during the third cup. Why? Because through his death, that God had been whispering since the beginning. Through his death, he says, I am the sanctification for the, I am what makes you holy, not your behavior. He says, I am your deliverance. I have set you free from your sin. He says, I am your redemption. My blood has redeemed you. So, but it is not, I has not yet been consummated. All things have not come yet because I haven't come back. I'm coming back one day and that day I will share again the cup of consummation. When I put it all together. All of this are whispers of the Messiah. It's not just about a baby. So for those of us who have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, we take communion. And we realize the whisper of God. And we realize that this bread with which Jesus lifted it up to heaven and gave thanks and broke it and said, this is my body. This bread was the whisper of the life that would be given for us. And Jesus said, now, because you understand I've heard the whisper, do this in memory of me. And Jesus has said, because you've heard the whisper and you understand that my blood has provided your sanctification, that my blood has secured your deliverance, that my blood has redeemed and brought, bought you back, because you understand that I am coming back one day. This is the new covenant of my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sin. Your sanctification, your deliverance, and your redemption. Do this as often as you drink it in memory of my consummation.
whispers. We wrap up with this. Caleb, come on, man. I'm going to keep going if you don't start playing something. Listen, this is all about Jesus. It's not about the season. It's not just about a baby. Don't see the baby and miss the Christ. God continues to speak to us and to whisper to us about the Christ. In the middle of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, this week-long festival, there was another feast. It was called the Feast of First Fruits. And 50 days later, there was another feast called Pentecost, which literally means 50 days. And I'm not going to talk about that today. Talk about those next week. It's amazing what God was whispering. God continues to speak to us and to whisper to us about the Christ. So my charge for us is to watch and to keep watch for God's whispers about Jesus. He has made it plain and it is all revealed to us in the Bible. He's made it plain and it was born in a manger. He's made it plain now and it hung on a cross and he's made it plain now and it rose from the grave and it is clear, it is precise and it is concise. He's made it plain. And so now his whisper as he's already been. And now I invite you in. The big difference that exists between us now and them then is that once what once was hidden in the shadows and in the types and in the mysteries and in the puzzles and parables and festivals is now revealed quite literally in flesh and blood. Emmanuel, God with us. And all that is God is available to us now. Peace and provider, purpose and guider, comforter and counselor and healer and friend. All is available. Though it had been whispers in the past, it is reality now for those of us who are convinced of him. But for those who are not convinced. All of this is still shadow. Oh, where's Waldo? And a mystery. My encouragement this morning is to come believe again. To come believe again. I want you to be so overwhelmed and so enthralled with the God of Scripture with this continual whisper that he has been whispering to you your entire life. He's been in the shadows and he's been in the sunlight. He's been the mystery and he's been the revelation. He has whispered and he has shouted. Don't miss him. We're in a season don't get so lost in the season you miss the Messiah. We celebrate a baby born. Don't see the baby and miss the Christ. He's whispering. Hear him. I invite you in this moment to respond to the whisper of God.
in the quietness of your own heart. As God has whispered to you, whisper back. God, thank you that you've done all. You've done all the work. Thank you that you've not asked me to add anything to it. Thank you that you've invited me to simply rest in it. Forgive me for thinking I could be good enough for you. Jesus, thank you that you shed your blood for my forgiveness to make me right with the Father. I accept your finished work for me. Help me to get rid of that which still resides in my life that corrupts who I am. I trust you. Help me to love you. And help me hear your whisper. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have as a church to dive back into your word and to see with clear eyes and a full heart the whisper of you that has been speaking to us from the first, before we drew a breath. Father, I ask that by the presence of your Holy Spirit that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to understand, to see, and to hear your whisper that has become a shout, that we wouldn't get lost in the season, that you would help us to see the Messiah that's behind the baby. Father, we give ourselves to you. Overwhelm us and enthrall us with the mystery of your word that became flesh and has dwelt among us. May you be honored. May you be glorified. May we see you in this season. And for that, God, my goodness will give you thanks. In your name I pray, amen.